0: It's Toy Mania here at Big W. People are going hypo for Hot Wheels 10-pack cars. Just $10, save $7.50. And freaking out over fingerlings, just $12. Save $8 while stocks last. Lay by now for Christmas. Hurry, say Lens, July 11. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Life Podcast. I am Topher Lane alongside Josh Coyne. Josh, how's it going?
1: Absolutely perfect.
0: Well, today we're going to be taking a closer look at the Kyrie Irving trade. Listeners got a bare bones pod from our own Justin Quinn, but we wanted to really delve in and hash out our thoughts on one of the bigger trades from any team this offseason. You say it's perfect. Are you in a good mood about this trade or, or where are you kind of standing as far as this trade goes?
1: Uh, it's been up and down all day, to be honest. I obviously, with the time delay here, you guys uh, got it, at, you know, in the um, in the night time, and I got it in the wee hours of the morning. But I woke up uh, to a string of texts from friends and group messages and things like that, uh, and I kind of unleashed this um, unholy gasp uh, <laughs> that actually made my girlfriend think that possibly something very serious had happened. Um, which puts things into perspective a little bit because I then turned around and told her that a big trade had happened and she she kind of tutted and uh, sighed and, and turned back around. But, uh, yeah, um, it's been up and down all day. Um, originally, there was a lot of kind of sadness and a lot of, you know, it's a bit heartbreaking in so many ways uh, to see Isaiah mainly
0: uh,
1: go. Um, Isaiah and obviously Angel's favorite player, um, Mr. Draft Pick,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, and uh, but obviously, eventually, you then start to rationalise things. And something that I couldn't, I wouldn't have even conceived as possible uh, last week has taken place, and we've been able to pick up an elite scorer, honestly, one of the best finishers near the rim I've ever seen in my life, um, and and someone who can possibly push the team forward.
0: Well, when you look at it from yeah, from that perspective, I totally agree. And I, I'm on the same kind of page that you are. I go back and forth throughout the day. I've gone every direction of like, this is great. I'm really happy about this. All the way from like that spectrum down to like, Danny Hane should be fired. You know, not, that's not a serious, I don't genuinely believe that, but a tiny bit. I'm like, man, I'm really upset because I really loved Isaiah. Jay Crowder, I followed since he played a Marquette. So I, I love Jay Crowder. I didn't have a, a huge connection to Zizic in any capacity. So I, don't, I didn't mind that aspect, but then the Brooklyn pick, I know a lot of people were really upset that that's included in, in the trade and we've yeah. got every direction as far as the Brooklyn pick. But what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn pick being included in this? Would, is that, does that make it suddenly like a poison pill, make it a bad trade for you? If that had been off the table, would you be more cool with this? Uh,
1: no, um, it doesn't make it a poison um, for me because this, I mean, it's been discussed already today, but Danny Ainge really can't win because uh, all of us will cry out for Ainge to finally make a move and stop kind of sleeping on these assets. Um, and then and then, obviously, once he actually makes a move, um, he's kind of criticized for going too far. Uh, he's been holding on to these assets and kind of stashing them for such a long time that once he makes a move, you know, it had to be a good return. And he's obviously seen the chance to get an elite scorer. With the next pick, I think that he might believe that the value of the next pick has diminished with the addition of Crabb, D'Angelo Russell and Damari Carroll. Uh, also, the Lakers pick uh, that they got with uh, in the Fultz and Tatum trade may end up being kind of around the same area of the draft, possibly, as the, as the next pick, if not better. So for me, I don't think it's actually a particularly poisonous uh, loss. And I think that eventually, as the season progresses, you might start to see that.
0: How? Well, so, I agree. And I, I'm not... The Brooklyn pick, I wasn't someone who says that it should have been completely off the table. But we've seen the resurgence of trader Danny. Like, he had been really quiet for a while, and now he's really, really back with this... He's back with a vengeance, trading the number one pick for the three pick, right? And he got some cool stuff out of that, got Tatum. Apparently, he was targeting Tatum the entire time. Then he trades Bradley, because we need to for Gordon Hayward. Then he trades Isaiah, Jay Crowder, and Zizic along with this pick. It's like, we're going to have four players from last year's roster returning.
1: Four. It's it's an incredible overhaul um, when you think about it, because he has been really, really ruthless. Um, But at the end of the day, I think... uh, to put it into perspective, I think that maybe in every single move, even by proxy and not kind of directly, but it's had a domino effect, with every move, we've actually ended up with the the better player of the deal, in my opinion.
0: Well, I, with the exception of the Bradley trade, for sure. But that one we had to lose. Like We had well, to lose whoever, whoever we had to trade, whether it was Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, or Avery Bradley. In some capacity, we had to lose that trade. And that, yeah, that's the fun. only one I disagree with you on.
1: Yeah, I think that possibly, though, the Avery Bradley thing was kind of um, related to us eventually getting Gordon Hayward. Uh, so for me, that's kind of what I mean by uh, by proxy. You know, to, to clear yeah. up room for Hayward, we needed to sacrifice someone, and Bradley was that guy. Uh, and in that move, if you add it all together, I believe that possibly we got the better player out of the deal.
0: Yeah, that's fair. What? So then, bigger picture, do you think that this move improves the Celtics' chance at going to the finals this year or, or long-term, does this make us a better team in the future?
1: Um, I think, yeah, um, it's certainly a move. I mean, obviously, over the last couple of years, we've been doing a kind of uh, age, and the team have been doing a simultaneous rebuild and contendership, which is, you know, I mean, that's admirable and almost unheard of. Uh, but it's fun it, for us as fans, you know? Yeah, it's amazing, you know? But some people obviously want to put kind of all their eggs in the rebuild basket more than the contending basket because of the juggernaut out West and actually even the juggernaut uh, in Cleveland. But um, I personally think that it brings them closer to beating Cleveland. I think that Kyrie has killed the Celtics in the last couple of years in important games. And when Boston have game planned for LeBron, Kyrie has been um, virtually unstoppable and more damaging than LeBron um, to Boston in recent times. Uh, So do you think
0: that Isaiah Thomas is going to be that now?
1: Do you mean for Cleveland?
0: Yeah. Do you think that he's going to be the unstoppable force that we run into when we're trying to game plan for for LeBron James?
1: I I think we'll see. But I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching. So, you know, um, Stevens, uh, Boston basically was the perfect situation for Isaiah. Um, I I think he found the perfect fit in Boston. Uh, with Stevens, and you know he was obviously incredible in the last couple of years and found himself in a situation where Stevens could rebuild could build the offense around his offensive strengths and surround him with players that compensate for his defensive weaknesses uh He was the perfect character and personality for the team you know um but we 'll see what the fit is like in Cleveland when um he will be playing second fiddle um to obviously the greatest basketball player in the game um and obviously, that's a lot to do with his health as well. So we, time will tell, I think. And actually, time will tell um, what, how good the trade looks for Ainge on whether basically IT is healthy and whether he can continue to be as great for Cleveland. And then obviously, with the next pick, if you put them all together in about six months, this deal must, might look 10 times better.
0: And I, Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, I was someone, and listeners know, that I'm someone who was really skeptical about giving Isaiah a max deal come next offseason. Yeah. In part, I mean, I I would have been fine if it was shorter term, like one, two years. But he's going to be on the wrong side of 30 in two years. And with the way that he plays, I can't imagine that he'll be durable. And I feel like he's going to go down with some catastrophic injury when he's 31 years old. And suddenly the last half of his max deal looks awful. So I was skeptical about that. and this completely leaves Danny Ainge's need to even have that conversation because now he's got Kyrie Irving for two years as opposed to having to make a decision with Isaiah and then maybe be left with nothing.
1: Exactly. You know, Isaiah wanted the Brink truck. And I think that the consensus uh, was that it was perhaps unrealistic for a guy his age, his size, and, you know, he's his incredibly unique talent. Um, but it's a, it's a talent that always felt... And I, I loved Isaiah Thomas as a Boston Celtic, but it felt as though it had a um, time limit, almost like it was a ticking clock. Um, and, and one day, eventually, they'll kind of find him ha- Defenses of kind of find him out. Um, and I just don't think they could they could hold on to him at, at, at the price that he was hoping for. And like you said, it alleviates him, Ainge, uh, from making a decision like that that would obviously be unpopular if they just let him walk. But to get an elite point guard in return for that at this stage. I mean, it's quite astounding, really. It's similar to Avery and yeah. the fact that, you know, they wanted, they wanted to get Haywood and they had to make a big sacrifice for a very popular player. Um, but, you know, that ruthlessness, ruthlessness pays off because they, they couldn't pay, pay Isaiah and they've got an incredible return in exchange.
0: What do you think this does for Cleveland?
1: Um, I think for Cleveland, it, it, you know, considering the scenario of, of, of Kyrie re- requesting the trade and, you know, that came out of nowhere and that kind of left them in a very awkward situation, it, especially considering the fact that his value started to diminish day by day. Um, and I think that they've got a really good deal for it. They've got a versatile player in Crowder who, in the right situation, as we found, can can really prosper, especially defensively. Um, adds a bit of toughness to the team alongside, uh, alongside LeBron, obviously, um, and I, I think Isaiah, if he can remain to full health, uh, sorry, can return to full health, and you know if they can keep hold of him, bearing in mind that obviously he wants the Brinks truck, and he can continue to be the kind of personality and flourish in the way that he did in Boston. Uh, when kind of in the shadow of LeBron. I think they've got a hell of a return for it. And I actually, for that reason, think that this trade really works for both teams. I think in terms of um, game plan, it'll be interesting to see if Cleveland are as prepared uh, as Boston were to um, hide Isaiah on defense and kind of game plan around him for certain situations. What do you think to that?
0: Well, so I I, I agree in the sense that Both teams, it works out for both teams, this trade, I think, because I like the move. I think Cleveland definitely got the best haul they were going to find for Kyrie Irving, all things considered, and they did a great job making this trade happen. And the Celtics, I can't say that they got worse. Like I've been looking for a way that the Celtics have become a worse team because of this trade. And really, like you said a little bit earlier, we upgraded Isaiah Thomas. We got one of the best finishers in the game at the rim, a guy who's true and tested in the NBA finals, who has a championship ring, who has a gold medal, all this stuff. So I, I can't see a way that this hurts either team unless you get to like durability and stuff like that. So my my only response to that that kind of differs is, is probably... That I think that the relationship between Isaiah and Brad Stevens worked so much better than what it might with Tyron Liu. I'm significantly higher and not because I'm a Celtics fan, but because I'm a basketball fan on Brad Stevens as a coach more than I am on Tyron Lue as a coach. I don't think that Tyron is that good. I think LeBron James is a good coach and I think he's helped guide his team to the finals as many times as he has. I don't think Tyron Lue or David Blatt were very much responsible for the Cavaliers making it to the finals in any of the seasons LeBron has been with them. So if Tyron Lue is keeping the helm, I don't think Isaiah is going to mesh or, or be as elite as he has been with Brad Stevens.
1: He's certainly not going to benefit from the system created by tyron Lue as, um, as as he was with Stevens because, you know, um, Stevens' speciality is getting open shots for players, whereas, mm-hmm. whereas Cavaliers seem to just, Play a kind of style that was put the ball in our best players' hands and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what you said about um, you, you can't, you know, you, you've thought about it in so many ways, and you you can't find a way to to say that Boston have got any worse. And there's a lot of people who've been talking about that. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, have have we got worse, or have we stayed? You know, have we stayed the same, or have we have we improved? <laughs> I think that the main way to put it into perspective is to say that at the start of the summer, if you were to say, you know, I'm going to give you a piece-for-piece uh, a piece tr- trade here. I want a- uh, for Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, and Jay Crowder, and the next pick, I'll give you in return uh, Hayward, Kyrie, and Tatum. You would take that trade.
0: Well, Well, Tatum was... That, that, that's not fair. That's not, and I mostly, I mostly just mean because I'm more intimidated by a lineup of Isaiah, maybe Marcus Smart slash Jay Crowder, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and whoever we play at the five. I'm more intimidated by that than I am of maybe Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart starting at the two with Kyrie. I just, and maybe, maybe I'm just like, I, I, there was something that Bill Simmons said a while back on his podcast that was that you definitely rate your players a lot higher than any other, any other person does. So a person's going to think Marcus Smart is maybe a B. A Celtics fan's be like, no, he's an A minus. You know, he's, he's a really good player because he's really defended. Like we watch him all the time. So like maybe I'm just ranking Isaiah too high and Jay Crowder too high. But for one dude to lose two guys who were so significant to our team that hurts and that I, I like feel like we should be worse, but I know that there wasn't a lot of depth for, or there was too much depth for Crowder to find significant minutes and that we're upgrading Isaiah straight up. So it's, it's worth it ultimately, but it still feels like we should be losing here, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the players I gave you there were just essentially just to put it into perspective about how much I believe that the, the team, piece for piece, has improved, and I think that a lot of it is becoming, like you said, you know, you overrate people. I've overrated players in the past, but I think a lot of it's emotional connection. Mm-hmm. I think I think what Isaiah's you know done for the team and the city, and um, he's made everything fun again. And I think that we've we've started to started to use our hearts rather than our heads when we think about Isaiah. And, and like I said, I woke up with. Heartbreak and eventually try to rationalize things and and now I just think Kyrie can can score, you know he can he can create chances from nothing. Um, Gordon Hayward, especially in a system uh, as we saw from him and Quinn Snyder in, the, in Utah last year, he's going to be incredible. I, I really think that he he'll have a, a career year, you know. And, and, I, and I think the team has just got better and and, and it's not just because of. Kyrie's such an amazing individual player. It's because I I think that he'll... Brad Stevens will make the most out of his talents. And I think that Kyrie can really help Brad Stevens in terms of not necessarily making the the team around him better, uh, but adding more of a weapon uh, to create more space for the teammates. And just generally, just... I I think that offensively, we've taken a huge leap this summer. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, let's look at the black and white of it. I mean... Kyrie is twenty five years old, so you you pick up, well, you lose four years between him and Isaiah. Isaiah was twenty eight or twenty nine, I think. Mm -hmm. So you you gain a younger player, and something I think that, I think it was Wick Grasbeck said it today that you never see a guy who's twenty five years old, who has the resume that Kyrie does. So, on paper, he's just accomplished so much. Like he's a veteran, even though he's still on like his second deal coming off his rookie contract. Mm. Then you got height. He's six three, has like six inches on Isaiah. He's not the best defender, but it's more just by his own it's that he just hasn't played it. So in Stevens' system a lot of times you see guys improve on defense, get better at defense, and maybe that's something that Stevens can bring out of him. And then yeah, you got his resume. He's got a championship ring, gold medal, four time All Star in five in five years, I think. Only really downside is he's got a slight injury history, and that he thinks that the world is flat.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, he's—I'm certainly not, you know, high on Kyrie as um, a—you know—he's going to add more um, sanity to the (laughs) lineup. Um, But I I think that he's definitely, as a player, he's more more of a sure thing. I think, obviously, with, with the con, uh, up to, upcoming contract issues, with the health of IT, with the fact that we had to game plan around him, uh, with the fact that it, it always felt as though, um, like I said earlier on in the pod, it always felt as though we were everyone was waiting for him to be found out. And he hasn't been found out yet. Um, but I think that Kyrie, what we have... Is a margin I mean he's just a s more of a sure thing. He's he's a marginally better defender and like you said, Stevens can bring more out of him on that side. He's his height is more of a sure thing. He, he whilst he obviously does, he doesn't rely on his athleticism as much as Isaiah because at that size you need to be a hell of a lot quicker than the guy guarding you. Mm-hmm. Um and and it felt like it felt like we really made the most out of him for the time he was here. Uh but but I think we've got a more of a sure thing in Kyrie Irving. That's, I mean, I'm still trying to rationalise it now, to be honest, as you can hear, because I'm kind of thinking yeah. out loud. But I, 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 think that in the black and white, we've got a taller, more, um, more, more skilled, probably, and more of a kind of big time shot maker on the roster now, and I'm starting to feel more positive about it.
0: What? What does it mean to you, then, that he said that he's thrilled to join the Celtics?
1: Um, I mean, to be honest, doesn't mean a great deal. Um, really? In, in, in the sense that that, that feels like the r- logical thing for anyone to say in this situation. Well,
0: uh, I, you know, I think back to the, the 2014 draft, I think, Zach Levine's year. And I remember he got drafted by the Timberwolves, and he was so mad about it. And he like came up on the stage and like was like, kind of, he didn't want to be wearing the Timberwolves hat and stuff. Yeah. I was being a total dick about it. But, you know, I, I, there are definitely guys who do that, you know, who get traded to some like nowhere team and they don't want to be there and they just don't, they're not very excited about it.
1: Well, and, you, you know, we've, we've seen, we've seen trades in which, uh, the press shots and the press conferences happen. And you've got guys like Chris Humphrey looking like someone just slapped him, uh, wearing the <laughs> Alex jersey. <laughs> so yeah, like like you said, you know, there's a there's a lot of examples of people not feeling particularly delighted. But Kyrie seemed like he just wanted an escape, and to end up on a good team in in, in this situation is quite remarkable.
0: He did have his wish list though, and on the initial wish list, the Celtics weren't on there. It was like uh, Miami, San Antonio, New York, and one other team. But he had that wish list when he first when this all started, like a month ago.
1: Yeah, I've I've said before. I think that uh, believing that New York is an attractive trade destination might be more more absurd and kind of uh, far fetched than believing the world is flat. Um, <laughs> but but um, yeah, I, I think that might be partially though because he didn't consider, and just like the rest of us, he didn't consider Boston as a realistic t- uh, trade destination.
0: So then, how do you feel about Ainge as a GM now after this? Because I have seen, even in the Celtics' life shout box People saying that he should be fired,
1: and you've seen that today, is it?
0: Yeah, since since this trade last night, especially when I got home, I was I was I just went on just to see what was going on, and there were people who were like, "Danny H is the worst," and they were like really upset.
1: Yeah, but if you go on that same shout box every single day, you'll get people that are furious about the fact that he's stashing all these assets, and he loves assets too much, and he's not willing to make a big trade. He needs to pull the trigger. Uh, we've got too much of a logjam in terms of contracts we've got a positional logjam i think that no one you can't please everyone and i think that what it's shown from Ainge is a uh he's it, got courage i think that he's displayed a fair bit of courage in this kind of move because whilst it's a, whilst it's a positive move in my opinion it is a calculated risk there's absolutely no doubt about it because you've given up so much in return for one guy who could you know he could get injured in his first practice i mean touchwood that's not the case but you know um i feel like it shows that he's still willing to take risks after all these years of collecting assets
0: do you think that this is the best possible scenario for the deal for both sides i mean for either side from celtic side do you think it's the best possible scenario and then from the cavs side what do you think
1: yeah like i mean like i said before i think that he for the, for Cleveland, this is the best deal. Um, the reason being is because, I mean, if you'd said at the start of the summer, would it be a good deal for them? I'd say no, because they wouldn't want to get rid of Kyrie, because he's been a huge part of their, the reason they've even been, well, the reason they won the title. And the, uh, I mean, he wasn't in each finals appearance, but he's he's been a big part of their relevant games and their contending games. And, when they've when he's needed them sorry when they've needed him there he's been there so I I don't think that at the start of the summer they would like this trade at all but as, as soon as he came out and surprised everyone you know everyone was a bit dumbfounded by him wanting to leave LeBron and you know many people speculate that's possibly because LeBron's on his way out eventually also but. I think that the best trade is the best return they could have got at this stage of the summer, and I think that it surprised me, the amount that they got, especially with the pick, like like we mentioned before, um, and the sheer amount of guys. But I think in terms of offense, they've got a replacement, a a guy who can make big shots uh, if he remains healthy, and if they're willing to buy into him as a a player, they've got a guy who they can... They can provide the opportunity to make big shots. I think that's that's a key part of it. They need to be willing to let him flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously hard alongside LeBron. But for that reason, I think they've got a great return. Versatile forward in Jay Crowder, Zizic, we just don't know what his ceiling is. Um, Isaiah is a hell of a shot maker. And they've got a pick for the future should LeBron leave. So, yeah, I think that's a great return for them. And then I think personally... Like you said before in the in the pod, we've upgraded IT um, in terms of a piece for piece uh, perspective um, and we've we've got rid of a guy who possibly you know in in Crowder we've got rid of a guy that Brown and Tatum may have higher ceilings um, and may end up taking the minutes that he would be awarded. Um, so I personally think that on both sides we've got the best deal from a basketball point of view and a business point of view, considering the contract scenario. Mm-hmm.
0: Is the Brooklyn pick less valuable than... I mean, what Do you think it was losing value? Because we've kind of talked about this. I think that this is the least valuable of the picks that we've had from Brooklyn because they're just getting better, right? So in itself, it's just going to probably, lottery-wise, fall higher than...
1: Yeah, yeah. For sure, I mean, Sean sure, Marks has done an unbelievable job. Um, and you know, he's had absolutely nothing to play with considering that heist that took place. Um, but I, I think Ainge definitely believes that the value of the next pick is, has diminished uh, with the addition of 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 Crabbe, D'Angelo, and Carroll. I think I think that, um, we might see it around the same area as the Lakers' pick that we got in the Folks Tatum trade. I mean you never know because Lakers have that kind of talent um that could eventually come good and surprise a few people. But I think that now with with the veteran uh the savvy guys like Carroll and Crab um and the huge potential of D'Angelo Russell, they could and actually Karis Lavert, people like that, they could end up actually building and surprising a few people like they they did in spurts over the last couple of years because there were times over the last couple of years where uh our Celtics fans have been kind of um, you, you know the uh, did Nets win twitter account yeah yeah we've been refreshing that kind of um, on a day to day basis to make sure they didn't pick up another win because i at, at times i've thought oh man they've just won two in a row um, they're getting better, Brooke Lopez is starting to play better, things things like that, and, you know, oh, Jeremy Lynn's going to make them better, things, you know, so it's been a slow proce- process for them, but considering the lack of um, uh, pieces they've had, it's it's been quite remarkable. So I think this is, like you said, I think this is definitely the, the least valuable of the last three years, um, and I think that should it go Austin's way, Ainge is going to look really smart for the Lakers uh, pick that they got from the folks and Tatum trade. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think this, because, and I think we actually have a an article on the site, are the Celtics, did we revive the Cleveland Cavaliers that looked like they were kind of pushed back, that LeBron was guaranteed going to leave, or at least there were these rumors starting to spin around that he was going to leave, and that Kyrie wanted out, and suddenly they were just going to fall apart, and the Celtics were easily going to be the number one seed and probably have a trip to the finals locked up. Do you think that we revived the Cavaliers? And then secondly, do you think we hurt our own chances of going further because we may have given the Cavs a better shot at making the title game or title series again?
1: Uh, I think that uh, the guys in the media in the conference call asked uh, Ainge the same question. You know, did you, Were you reluctant to trade with a conference rival? Um, And I think Ainge basically said that out of this trade, we believe our team's got better. And I think that that's the key to this. Um, The the team got better in Ainge's opinion and, you know, the front office's opinion. And I think that when you get a chance to get a player like Kyrie Irving, you have to kind of sacrifice the fact that you're giving valuable assets to a rival. Um, But that being said, I do think that, you know, Isaiah, sorry, the Cleveland have been given a lifeline that they wouldn't have got elsewhere. I think that a trade that I saw earlier on today was the Milwaukee Bucks one, which was Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, and a pick. And I don't think that gives them the same kind of lifeline and the same lifeline to try and keep LeBron.
0: Yeah, I I can agree with that because... I Actually, I'm really high on both Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon. But again, yeah, I don't know if that would have done nearly enough to kind of revitalize their their chances do you think that we i I mean it was already uh not a long shot but it was still like the celtics weren't guaranteed to make the finals but i feel like we were based on like stats like espn and things like that were putting us at like most likely to get the one seed and then i think we had like a slight edge on the Cavs to make it to the finals if i'm not mistaken do you think that this pushes us back below them as far as chances to get to the title again? How, how What's the LeBron James effect as far as all this stuff goes?
1: Um, I don't think that it pushes us below. I actually think that we've got a better chance of taking them. Um, I think that, like I said before, I think that, honestly, I believe that Kyrie was really harmful for Boston whenever we met them. And I think if we're going to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, Kyrie being on our side rather than their side uh, takes eliminates a problem and creates an advantage for us. I think that even when Isaiah was playing great, we truly were outmatched by the talent of LeBron and Kyrie um, and I think it makes us it actually brings us closer to 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 overcoming Cleveland it, well that's certainly my opinion that's
0: yeah and that that's where I have the biggest kind of conundrum right now is how will we stack up to Cleveland? Because I think everyone else that we struggled with, because really if a team could lock us down, and I remember we were worried about matching up with the Hawks first round in the playoffs because they just knew. It's like Budenhoser just knew how to stop Isaiah Thomas, and that stopped all of our offense entirely. And it seems like there's no way to game plan for Kyrie Irving. So... And then you also add in Gordon Hayward and and everything else that we've we've added as far as offensive threats go. So that plus Kyrie Irving, I feel like we have fewer threats in the East. I don't think the Wizards are nearly as scary. I don't think that the uh, Raptors are nearly as scary. I think our only threat now is the Cavs. And I don't know if I'm ready to say that we're going to be able to take them on because we now have Kyrie in place of Crowder being as Crowder was one of our best defenders on LeBron James and Avery Bradley was one of our best defenders on LeBron James and Kyrie Irving when he was playing and things like that. So who is our two best on ball defenders and then go up against the Cavs again? It's like, there's a bit of concern about what they're going to do to us offensively. So,
1: yeah, but you know who else was one of the best defenders on LeBron James in the league was Marcus Morris.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, you know, uh, Marcus Morris had something as well. So, you know, I think that in terms of, like you said, we had Isaiah as the absolute main threat on offense. And uh, when he was signed, people hoped that Horford would bring a bit more of that. But over time, we start to learn that he's actually a really, really beneficial player to have, but he's not your go to scoring guy. I was delighted with the signing of Gordon Hayward. And I think even at that point, I thought, you know, we just got. Light years better on offense. Um, and it benefits by proxy, it benefits players because it creates better spacing. And I think that also applies to Marcus Morris. You know, when he gets on the court, he can, he can defend the biggest guys, the strongest guys, and he can make shots. Certainly, I think, more consistently than Jake Rowder. So I, I, don't, I, I think we, we moved closer to Cleveland in many ways by a lot of pieces being added together to make one kind of stronger team.
0: This doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with this trade, but what do you think our starting five is going to be?
1: Um, I was thinking about this a lot today, actually. I think that I, um, I heard um, on Simmons' recent podcast, uh, Kevin O'Connor stated that he believes it's going to be a similar starting um, lineup to last year positionally, and Aaron Baines is going to start as the big body inside. Al Horford is going to play at the four so that they can kind of say, yeah, Al, we know we you don't want to be a center, so we're going to put you at the four. Um, and then they were going to have uh, uh, Haywood, uh, Smart, and Kyrie. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's the case. I don't think they need to do that. I think that Marcus Smart can start. We can start Kyrie, Marcus Smart at the shooting guard. Um, uh, plug someone like uh, Brown in. And Hayward go small ball, put Al Horford inside. I go yeah. back
0: and forth about whether we start Smart at the two or a guy like Jalen Brown.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of um, what well, I was thinking, you know, the, an alternative lineup to the one that was suggested by Kevin O'Connor is one in which we have we're ready to take the leap alongside Jalen. You know, ready ready to give him that big chance of. Uh, regularly co- contributing
0: i feel like maybe yeah and i think that's something that we have to be really trusting in him for and something that even stevens talked about before this trade that we need jalen brown to make that jump whether it's both offensively and defensively because smart obviously he's a very elite defender but he's a liability on the offensive end most of the time. There are times where he's hitting and he's suddenly lethal. That game like in the playoffs against the Wizards, I think, where he went like six for seven from three, just com- went completely off. But every other day, he bricks threes like he's building the house, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, it's a weird one with Marcus Smart because like you said, as Boston fans, possibly we overvalue him, but he is beloved. And the reason is because he does everything, you know? Um, everything that yeah. most guys don't want to do. And he, he'll he put you in a position to win just from kind of somehow getting the ball in a unique situation, putting the ball in the basket. And whilst he's not a shot maker, um, I was actually speaking to, um, there's a name drop here, uh, James Hollis from B-Ball Breakdown uh, last week. Um, and he he stated that he believes... This is a great opportunity for Marcus, um, not the Kyrie trade, but um, the addition of Gordon Hayward and and additional talent. Um, He believes that this is great for Marcus Smart because it frees him up to just be Marcus Smart. He's not going to be expected to be plugged in and, you know, um, make sure you spot up and, uh, you know, fit into the system by making these shots. He's just going to be able to run into space. He's going to be able to kind of slash and, and find himself in Marcus Smart situations. Um, so I think it's great for Marcus Smart, but it's just about whether they believe in him enough to start him or they think that he'd be best to run the second unit. What do you think about that?
0: I, well, no, I, I really like that idea of, of Marcus being able to just be himself, you know, I don't know. I I think he thrives better when he isn't the go-to guy. I think he's a really good off the ball player and someone who thrives off the ball. Not necessarily as like a catch and shoot. I wish he would drive more because I think he's a lot more of a threat at the rim and in the paint. Mm. Especially, and, and we saw in like the later stage of the season, I guess kind of middle, late part of the season where he was actually posting up and was mm. actually doing really well. And then he kind of strayed away from that and tried to get back into shooting threes again, which is just not his game. But it's, I, I, I would rather that he's alongside Kyrie as a starting two almost, and then let Jalen lead the second unit.
1: Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think that, you know, that whole notion of letting Marcus Smart be himself um, certainly isn't a spot-up shooter on the wing. I think it's the guy who's, you know, making backdoor cuts, slashing, finding himself in open space because he's outworked his defender. Um, And then on on the defensive end, being able to guard everyone from you know, Steph Curry to Paul Millsap. Um, uh, like you said, I think that it'd be best if, because we all know that basketball is positionless now. Uh, shooting guard doesn't mean that the guy has to be able to shoot. It helps. But Marcus Smart being alongside a shot maker like Kyrie Irving, like you said, I think is, is a huge benefit to the team. And if we're ready to let Jalen Brown lead an entire second unit, wow, that'd be, it'd be great to see. Mm-hmm.
0: And especially if, because both—I mean, I remember Marcus Smart over the course of the off season. I think it was maybe in the beginning of July. Posted those videos of him just draining buckets from deep, right? Granted, there were no defenders or anything, but he was still—you know—he was really making stuff work. So if he could actually make those shots on a consistent basis, could you imagine what that'd do to, like, because they—they are going to probably be doubling Kyrie, right? Yeah. And. If he drives, kicks it to Marcus Smart with nobody on him, and he can hit that shot, holy shit, that'd be disgusting.
1: Yeah, I mean, if 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 they double Kyrie Irving and then they're somehow leaving uh, Gordon Hayward open, man, that that gives so much space to guys like Smart and guys like Brown, who's started to improve his shot. Um, anyone, really. I mean, it, it it really is. This kind of conversation is when you start to realize how how progressive this trade is, personally, I believe. Because you start to think about the space that's going to be created because you've got elite ball handler in Kyrie Irving. You've got Gordon Hayward that is probably going to play the second option on offense. At times, will be the first port of call. And then you've got guys like Al Horford creating space for the both of them. And then if Marcus Smart could take a a leap like, like you discussed, right, it's going to be devastating for the opposing teams. However, like everyone knows, it's really easy to look good in an empty gym where your friend is recording you on his cell phone.
0: I really don't look good in an empty gym, especially when someone <laughs> is recording me on their cell phone. So, With enough
1: editing, you'll be okay, fine. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm sure we can make something. We're going to make a highlight tape when we're done recording <laughs> this. <laughs> um, I Actually, have I told you about my jersey curse? Because it lives on. Do you know jersey? So, if I buy a player's jersey, mm-hmm. they're going to get traded.
1: And so guess, you, you guess bought Zizic's jersey.
0: <laughs> no, do you know? What? I just bought Isaiah's jersey like three weeks ago. Oh, it was like, sweet, like alternate. It was a sweet jersey. I was really excited about it. I've worn it once. And then I was I was like geared up to come home and I like saw these trade rumors. I was like, it's going to happen. It's, this is going to happen. And then I got home and. As I got pulled in, I saw the trade news, and I was like, "God damn it! I just bought sixty like sixty dollar jersey."
1: <laughs> and then I you also have
0: the- a Jay Crowder jersey too, so it's not even just that. I also have the Jay Crowder one; he just got traded, also. So,
1: you know what the good thing about the Isaiah jersey is? He's always going to be a Celtic. You think so? I think that what he's done in terms of re- reviving his career and uh, making the last two couple, you know, the last couple of years incredibly fun. And I think he embodied so much of the spirit. I don't want to be a walking cliche here, but I think he embodies a lot of the spirit about what it means to be a star sports person in Boston. Um, and I think he was a leader for the unit that overachieved. And I think because of the kind of um, the everyman aspect of him being an undersized point guard who became a absolute, you know, he was an all-star. He was um you know he was in the conversation at one point for m v p albeit kind of in the peripherals, but I think that that these two years won't be forgotten and I took the trip as you know, I took the trip over to boston um early early this year mm-hmm. um and spent a week there and and the buzz is incredible and and a lot of that was created by Isaiah for those couple of games. I was there for the Detroit Pistons game in, in February and, and, and the Toronto Raptors game and then the uh Paul Pierce game against the Clippers. Yeah. Um and it was absolutely palpable. You know, Isaiah created a, a, a positive mood and a positive feeling around Boston. And I don't think that'll be forgotten. You know, I'm I'm I don't live in Boston, but I just I just felt it, you know, and I, I just so happened to be there for that incredible night against the Raptors where he absolutely torched them. Um, and I think it's those kind of nights that put you down in folklore. And I think your jersey—you don't need to dispose of it, um, oh. and you you keep it. And it's always going to be a Boston Celtic.
0: Is there anyone that you want me to get the jersey of that you don't want on the Celtics? Because seemingly this curse <laughs> works really well.
1: <laughs> um, let's have a think. Um,
0: maybe maybe hold on to that. But if there's anybody you start seeing guys underperform, you can they hit me up. You, okay. Anybody, all listeners, you can hit me up on this because apparently I'm the. Should I get a Paul George jersey, like a Paul George Thunder jersey, and hope that he just gets traded to Celtic
1: somehow or something? Great idea.
0: Maybe. We'll we'll try and use this to our advantage somehow. <laughs> anybody that you want? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Speaking of jersey numbers, though, Kyrie's going to wear 11. He announced, I think, or like Twitter, I think, announced. So this has been discussed now. He's going to be number 11, which kind of revives the 7 Eleven get buckets if you want. Jalen and Kyrie to be the duo now, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's a good point actually. Um, but you know, I don't think the problem is that you know Brown and Tatum were the rookies. They were the kind of cult players to to root for in that respect because they were never going to be the key guys in the team. You know, mm. straight off straight off the bat, I think that nickname really worked because they were coming up together. Um, when Gordon Hayward's clearly probably going to be our second best player. I'm not entirely sure that's gonna that's gonna have the the legs that we'd hope for, uh, but um, I can't think of any. Uh, I know that Glenn Glenn Davis was was number eleven. I mean, will he be able to, you know, improve on the legacy that was created by Big Baby?
0: <laughs> Is that I, yeah? I, I'm I'm confident that he'll be able to live up to that legacy, build on it.
1: I guess <laughs> yeah. yeah well, well, you know, he can honor it. He can honor Big Baby's legacy, but hopefully, <laughs> not follow the same dietary, you know, uh, instruction.
0: I guess. I mean, Evan Turner was 11, right? Most recent number of 11. Of course, Evan yeah, Turner. of course. The the cadet. He's. I loved Evan Turner. Evan Turner was my dude. He retweeted me the other day. I loved it. So.
1: What was yeah. your tweet?
0: I don't know. I just like. I don't. I think it was something nostalgic about Evan Turner being the best, and he was like. Yeah. Retweeted it with like a crying face. He's
1: the logo. Good. He's the logo,
0: man. Yes. He, he should be. He is. Anything you're working on for the site?
1: Um, I'm, You know, um, busy guy. It's the life of a part-time journalist. Um, I'm picking up things in such a hectic time like this. Um, I'm going to be looking at picking up on any kind of uh, upcoming news in relation to this trade. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about the fallout and I'll be ready to contribute.
0: Yeah. Well... You can find all our stuff on CelticsLife.com. While you're there, check out the links at the top of the website. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store. Plus, you can get tickets to the next game, which will be preseason games that will be in the TD Garden. You can get that also under that heading. And you can find the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most Podcatcher apps. Make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear... We'd really appreciate it if you gave us five star rating. It helps us be seen by other people looking for basketball podcasts. It really helps us out. And if you don't like something or you have a suggestion, let us know with a comment on any Celtics life article, or you can hit us up with the hashtag CL pod because we want to bring you guys the Celtics coverage you want. Also, if you want us to trade for somebody, you want me to put on a buy a jersey, CL pod that because clearly that works. Anything you want to hit on before we take off, man?
1: No, I'm all good. I uh, really enjoyed talking to you.
0: All right. Yeah, it was a good one. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week.